turn in the Bible to the book of Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 14. And we'll have another verse or two in um, Job that we're going to look at. And Job is in the Old Testament uh, right before uh, the Psalms, right in the middle of the Bible. But uh, Hebrews is in the back of the Bible. Hebrews 12 verse 14. The title of this message is, What Are You Looking For? What are you looking for? And we'll read what Paul says in Hebrews. At least I think it was Paul writing. But he says in verse 14 of chapter 12, Pursue peace with all people and holiness, without which no one will see the Lord. And as I said earlier, the, the title of this message is, What Are You Looking For? And may God bless the reading of his word as we have it read into our hearts today. It is easy in this world to only pursue what you see. Uh, covetousness, for instance, is a, uh, a, a very serious sin. It's a sin of greed. Uh, there's a whole commandment dedicated to covet, covetousness against it, and it is the 10th commandment, thou shalt not covet, and a whole list of things you're not supposed to covet, but you're not supposed to desire what you see that does not belong to you. And the problem with covetousness is that when we see things, we want those things, and we instantly think that if we don't have them, somehow our lives are not what they need to be. Like we're lacking something and we see it. Uh, but God has a plan in this world, and he has a plan for the future world, and that plan, though, is not for us to be governed by our sight, because I feel that it's just too easy to be governed by your, your sight and my sight. It's easy to do this. So the Lord wants us to learn what it is that we need to look for and then pursue it the way we need and in the scripture that I read from the book of Hebrews, he says, pursue peace and holiness. These are things we need to be looking for. We need to be looking to have peace as much as possible and also holiness. And this will help us in amazing ways. But we have a problem in this world and that is, is that our eyes don't satisfy us, and yet they still govern us almost on a daily basis. I have a 10 and a half month old dog that's huge. I mean, she is a giantess, and uh, she uh, almost pulls my arm off when I walk her. But she uh, is still young. And uh, the thing about this dog is she's governed by her passions. You know, she's a bundle of passions. She sees things. And it doesn't matter what it is. If it's a leaf blowing in the wind, windy days are the worst to walk her. But there, there she's going after that leaf. If there's a bird, she's going to be going after that bird. It, it, she's not seen anything moving that she doesn't want to go after. She's a bundle of passions. But you know what's sad is that there's not much difference between that dog and we as people. We're all uh, easily fixed upon the, the shiny objects, the things that move, the things that attract our attention and distract us from what we need in life. And this is one of the great difficulties of raising children 
and, and just becoming mature ourselves is that we have to learn that just because it looks good doesn't mean it is good for us. See, I protect my dog because I don't want to lose my dog. You know, I don't want her, we don't have children, but I, I love these little creatures and treat them like they're almost like children. And, and so I don't want to lose them, so I have to protect them from going after the shiny objects. And the Lord feels that about us, feels that about us a lot. He doesn't want us easily distracted going after those other things. Solomon said this, he said in Ecclesiastes, that the eye is not satisfied with seeing and the ear with hearing. We're just, it, everything is vanity, he says. And it's so true because when we are on our deathbeds and we, if we have our minds, we're probably not gonna be worried about did we get to watch this great sporting event or regret that we did not uh, see this movie or that movie <laughs> or that we didn't have this particularly beautiful piece of jewelry? I don't think that any of those thoughts are going to be going through our minds. And if we're sober-minded at death, and I hope we are, I hope we're thinking seriously about, Lord, if I've got time on this earth, I hope I can make everything right that I need to make right now because I don't want us to be going to the hereafter without being sober-minded and thinking, you know what, I'm gonna meet the Lord and he's gonna hold me account for my life and I wanna make sure that I pursued what I need to pursue. I think there's a lot of regret we're gonna have in meeting the Lord. It doesn't mean that we're not going to heaven but I think there's gonna be a lot of regret because we'll have to say, yes, Lord, I, I knew you. I, I profess faith in you and, and yet I wasted these times. Would you like to have a collection of the seconds that you've wasted in your life since you became a Christian? How, how large would that, 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 that be? It would be kind of intimidating, wouldn't it? How much time did I waste? How many idle words did I said, uh, did I say? I even have to confess, when I say simple things like good grief, I think, well, what does that actually mean? Uh, grief can be good, and that's fine, but sometimes I just say words just to say words. You know, they're idle words. And I think God wants us to remember that, just like Solomon said, the eye is not satisfied with seeing. Okay, if you miss out on something, does not mean that you're going to miss out on what God wants for you if you are doing his will. He really wants us to understand that in life, we need to understand that the fulfillment of our lives is not out there and not in what we see. It is. It just isn't. The world keeps on coming out with a new flavor, a, a, a new model of car, a new technology here, a new technology there. There's always something new and if you're always pursuing it, you'll never catch it because you'll never be satisfied. Proverbs 27, uh, verse 20 says this, hell and destruction are never full, so the eyes of man are never satisfied. And that's a sad statement that there's so much room, unfortunately, in hell and in destruction that it's never gonna be full. There's gonna be people constantly pouring in that way.
because of their foolishness and because they, they don't pursue. They're not looking for the right things. And God wants us to be looking for the right things. And in Hebrews 12, 14, he says, pursue peace. And it, it, it means, obviously, to pursue peace with people, although in the original language there, it just basically assumes that it's talking about people. But peace is something you need in three areas. And, and those three areas are, yes, you want to have peace with people, but first you need to have peace with God. If you have peace with God, that's the main thing you need in life. And in life, if we've not done correctly with our relationship with God Almighty, then we have failed. Everything else won't matter if you, if you have peace every, with everyone else, but you don't have peace with God, you've got a problem. So God wants us to have peace with him. Make things right with your relationship with God. Make sure that you're not disobeying him and causing a problem. There was a particular uh, young boy who went to church. This young boy was watching the preacher preach, and the, the young boy was not necessarily the best behaved boy, but he was in church, and the preacher was preaching. And <laughs> that's okay. But, but, but that's perfectly well with our, the, the, the story I'm telling. So this boy gets in trouble, and, and, and then he says to his mom one day, Mom, I want to be a preacher. <laughs> she said, well, uh, uh, that's fine, but why do you want to be a preacher? He says, well, I figure it'd be more fun to stand up and yell than to sit still and be quiet. <laughs> so he, I guess he had it right. God wants us to remember that in pursuing our peace with God, we need to make sure that we are doing him right. We, we are living according to his rules. We're, we're showing him respect. We're giving them some time. We, we need to give him time. We need to pray with him. There's nothing too trivial to bring to him. I, tr I, I tell you, you'll be better off by taking even small things to the Lord than leaving them aside. When I was driving recently, I hit a mockingbird with my car. I was very hurt because that's a state bird of Tennessee, and uh, I don't like hitting birds, but I, I was going the speed limit, and I didn't see any way to avoid it because you know how birds are. They'll just dive in front of your car. They're looking for something else. And I said, Lord, you told us in your word that uh, not even the sparrow falls without God knowing it. So God had a plan for that to happen. And that plan for that mockingbird, it, it wasn't good necessarily for the mockingbird, but it might be good for the other creatures that God made. Because, you know, that, that mockingbird's body is not going to get wasted. Uh, other creatures are going to come in and they're going to live. And then other birds are going to come and eat those bugs and those other things. And literally, God has a plan even for those sad things that happen in life. God has an amazing recycling program where he can work out nature better than we can ever do things. Even though today we have many people who say we want to promote the environment and purity of, uh, and get rid of uh, pollution, I, I think that it's so clear that God does the best job of anybody. But we need to pursue peace with God and with men, with people. 
We need to get our relationships right with people and be kind-hearted toward one another and forgiving toward one another and, and pray for one another and understand that in life it's real easy to be mad, but it's very hard to get along with people. So be at peace as much as possible with people. And thirdly, I think God wants us to be at peace with ourselves. We can be at war with ourselves. Hey, I'll tell you the perfect example is when you start looking and saying, you know what, I know I should do this, but I, I keep failing, I don't do this right. And that, that, that hits you after, after a while, that starts creating tension and stress in your life. And, and, and literally, it's sort of like a building. A building has load-bearing walls. Those load-bearing walls, if you put too much stress or if stress is coming at the wrong angle, the walls become <coughs> warped. The walls could eventually be weighed down to the point of breaking. You are just like that. If you've got too much stress and you're not properly spreading it out, if you're not dealing with it the way God wants you to deal with it, if you're not at peace in your, with yourself, you can have that stress that will tear you up and tear you down. So you need to have an internal peace about yourself and make sure, don't beat yourself up every time you make a mistake, but also make sure that you try to do better the next time and do better the next time. God doesn't want to keep us in failure. He wants to keep us moving us in a better direction. And, and so having peace, pursuing peace, I believe it's a very understandable thing. I don't think there's too many people don't understand what it means to pursue peace. But holiness, that is something that we're also supposed to be pursuing. We're supposed to be looking out for it. And God says that it's so important to pursue peace and holiness that you, without holiness, you can't even see God. And that gets back to what are we looking for? Do you wanna look for God? Well, you got to pursue peace and holiness. And pursuing holiness means you need to put yourself in a point where you're in contact with God regularly and you're disconnecting your contacts with the world that's distracting you. You've got to focus. I have to focus on the Lord and connecting with God. It's so important that we have holiness because holiness is almost an indescribable part of God's presence, but it's there and we need and we're commanded by God to be holy and he commands us to pursue it. To pursue holiness is not an achievement, but rather it is an, a, a, a something that happens to us when we're with God and he gives it to us, but we are commanded to be holy and it's easy to get holy by just being with him. The opposite is true. What's it take to be dirty? You just go out in the mud and, you know, it's very simple. You jump in a mud hole, you'll get dirty real quick. Don't have to do anything. The mud does its job. But holiness is the opposite. What's it take to be holy? Well, get clean. Go to God and, and get him to rub off on you the way he will. You and I need to be pursuing holiness, which brings me to... Uh, a man in the Bible who I respect greatly, his name was Job. Now Job, he was a man who was a godly man. He, he, he had everything that you would want. I mean, he had a family, 
big family. He had money and wealth and he was very well respected and he loved God. So he wasn't somebody who was stressing out about everything in life. He had fine dinners and, they, and the, his sons and, and daughters, they would stay uh, and have big uh, barbecues or whatever with each other and they'd go to each other's houses and had great fellowships. I mean, you talk about if you were to write a story, this guy has it made, you would say Job. He's on all the magazine covers, at all the websites, on all the news screens. He is the guy you want to be. The devil decided to interrupt Job's life. In fact, God said to the devil, hey, what do you think about Job? <laughs> what do you think about Job? The devil said, well, the only reason he's got all that, he does these things because you you basically spoiled him, you know, you, you've given him everything, but you take everything away from him, he'll curse you. And, and of course, you know the story. Uh, the Lord said, well, you go ahead and take it away, but don't hurt him. And then not only that, but he took away not only his money, but took away his children, and then took away his health, but couldn't kill him. The devil could not kill him. So here he is, he loses his children, he loses his wealth, and he loses his health, and he's, he's miserable. He has sores from the top of his head to the bottom of his feet. And I'm gonna tell you folks, you know what it's like to be hurt. You know, a tick bought, bought, uh, bought me. No, he didn't buy me, but he, he caused me a lot of grief because he bit me. And a tick bit me recently and it is itching like crazy. And I tried to, to get better, but it just takes a little while. And I thought, just that's just one place. What if? If you were Job and you had sores from the top of your head to the bottom of your feet. He was, living, he was sitting down and scraping his sores with and putting ashes on him to make himself feel somewhat comfortable. And he had just rags for clothes. This is the same man who everybody wanted to be like and, and, and he had literally everything and now he has nothing but his misery. That's what he's got, misery. But Job leaves behind some very important things. And in Job 13, 15, I want to read it first. Because this man, Job, I really like what he said. And it reminds me of the little boy we heard sing earlier. In Job 13, uh, I think it's 13, 15, yes. Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. That's what Job said about God. He said, though he kill me, though he slay me, I will still trust him. In Job 13, 15. Mm. What kind of faith does it take? He didn't see anything good happening in his life, but he saw God's character enough, and he says, though he slay me, I will still trust him. Mm. How many of us will say that? How many of us, when things are going bad, are going to say to God, well, even if he kills me, I'm going to trust him. Another verse in Job, a couple of them I want to read. They're powerful. Job 19 and, and 25. This is what Job said. By the way, Job lived probably around the same time that Abraham lived. And Job said, for I know that my Redeemer lives and he shall stand at last on the earth. 
And after my skin is destroyed, this I know that in my flesh I shall see God, whom I shall see for myself, and my eyes shall behold, and not another, how my heart yearns within me. You see, Job knew that no matter what he was seeing in his life, no matter how bad things were, and I'm gonna say that probably all of us are doing a little better than what Job was doing. I think that whatever our circumstances right now, I don't think they're quite as bad as Job's. <laughs> but he said, I know my Redeemer lives. And he says that he shall stand at last on the earth. He believed in the Lord. He knew long before many of the prophets that Jesus would come to this earth. He knew that the Lord would live, that he, and that he was his redeemer. And he said, and after my skin is destroyed, in other words, after his body is gone, after he dies, he says, that's not the end, because he says that in my flesh, I shall see God. I will live again. This body it breaks down, it decays, it will not last. But it's not going to be the end because someday for believers, our lives will be given back. Our bodies will be given back, but better and more, and will be like our Lord's. So he, he says, I like especially his verse 27, when he says that in my flesh I, sh I shall see God whom I shall see for myself. No one else is, it's not anyone else is gonna see it through me. I'm going to experience myself what God has for me. It's awesome. And my eyes shall behold and not another. And how my heart yearns within me. You see, Job wanted to see the Lord and he said, I will see the Lord. I'm gonna see the Lord and I wish I could see him, but I know that no matter what, even after my body is riddled and gone, yeah, I will see the Lord someday. I will be alive someday. I will see it. It's gonna be me. It's not gonna be somebody else doing it. It's gonna be me. I'm going to see the Lord. So what are we looking for? Are we looking for just enjoying the brief period of time we have, or we're looking forward to something in the future, seeing something that's really a sight to see. Because if you think about the beautiful flowers and all the good things we see, just remember the Lord made them and the Lord is greater than those things. And we're gonna see him someday. The pure in heart, the Bible says, shall see God. Isn't that amazing? The pure in heart shall see God. Uh, we spend a lot of money purifying water, purifying the air, uh, government monies, untold amounts are spent on the environment. How much money is spent to purify the hearts of people from all the garbage that's constantly being given to us? Not much, I don't think. But there's good news, because Jesus said it's not that which comes from outside the man that defiles and pollutes a man, but that which comes from within. So whatever the devil throws at us and we see, remember, it's not that that pollutes us, it's what's coming out of us. What do we choose to do? 
Are we choosing to do the right thing? Or are we choosing to do the wrong thing? Because that will pollute us more than anything else. And that's what Jesus wanted to make us know. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, I thank you that you allowed this little boy that I saw earlier on a video. Uh, he was, uh, his mother, I think, was probably on uh, cocaine and the boy was born prematurely. He didn't have his sight and he obviously had what people would call birth defects. But you uh, made something very beautiful out of his life. And Lord, I want you to make something very beautiful about our lives, despite our failures, our weaknesses, our pasts. Make us to be people who pursue peace and holiness and seek your face, because someday we will get our wish, because we're gonna see you just like Job. He, he, he's going to, he saw the Lord and he's gonna see the Lord again. And I thank you for these who have come to church today and would you bless us so that we could have our minds focused the way we need to. Because we pray this in Jesus' name and amen.